0: And I will say, I may have just learned about her, and I've never met her before, but I would die for Reveille.
1: That's a big swing, but okay. I'm going to just get out of the way and let you take some swings here. Welcome to Chapel Bell Curve, a stats-focused podcast about UGA football. I'm Nathan. And I'm Justin. And today we're going to talk about our uh, first ever tilt between the hedges against the mighty fightin' 12-man, the uh, against Aggie Nation, against what I would term, after some research, whoop. Whoops. Um, uh, okay, we got to win first before we can make that joke. Um,
0: <laughs> so We'll get to what the whole whoop thing means, We're to here to I talk guess.
1: about uh, a, a real historical matchup this weekend, first time that UGA has played Texas
0: A&M between the hedges. Mm-hmm. Only the...
1: Sixth. Yeah, only the No, I thought it was like the third time we've ever played. Is it sixth, sixth time?
0: Th- since nineteen eighty. We've played them since nineteen eighty. Or wait, nineteen fifty, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, is the first time we played them in Maryland, College Park, Maryland. That's a weird place to have played them. And, uh, yeah. but anyway, so let's
1: start by getting into our sort of subjective narratives. Ooh. Uh, talking also, points.
0: I hate to tell you, but this is not the first time we played them between the hedges. Is it not? I thought it no. was. We played them back in nineteen eighty and in nineteen fifty four in Athens.
1: No, this is the first time we played them since
0: they joined the SEC. That's what it was. Oh, there it is. That's the one. Yes, that is absolutely true. We have This is the first time we've played them since they've joined the SEC. Yes. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm 100% correct. This is, uh, it's exciting. It's really exciting because there's not a whole lot to know about this team. Uh, or, not, not that's not true. There's not a whole lot that we know about this team, is what I really meant to say. Uh, and well, it's like your fan base. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, So, so I've got a couple of subjective narratives that
1: I have been hearing this week, and I just would like to hear your responses to them. Sure. First would be the idea that, uh, you know, Texas A&M is sort of a team of it's a the two different teams rolled up into one. You've got the team that only barely beat Arkansas. Mm -hmm, You've got mm -hmm. the team that came pretty close to keeping it, uh, you know, respectable against Clemson, closest anyone's gotten this year against Clemson. And so I guess the the question is, you know, I think that is objectively true.
0: I I am wondering if which which version of this team you think is going to show up. Um I imagine this team, uh, this seems like a team that kind of plays to their opponent if you take those two into consideration. Uh at least if we're we're playing to these subjective narratives like Arkansas is is bad uh objectively and it feels like, you know, Texas A&M may have played to Arkansas's uh level of competition and they did the same thing with clemson so i imagine that this is not a bad team necessarily
1: yeah they only beat ole miss by so going through their year 41 to 7 uh texas state 24 10 clemson that's respectable 62 to 3 lamar they lost to auburn 28 20 lost they beat Arkansas 31-27 as you said their only real blowout of the year although I don't think that Clemson game was quite as close as 24-10 looked but the only real blowout they had of the year was they lost to Alabama 47-28 lost Ole Miss 24-17 or beat Ole Miss 24-17 beat Mississippi State 49-30 beat UTSA 45-14 last week beat South Carolina 30-6 so I don't know I mean last week was by uh, last week in Mississippi state was their highest like percentile performance. Mm -hmm. Uh, The 86% last week, 90% against Mississippi state, 83% against Ole Miss. So they have certainly, they've had, you know, their best three performances on the year in the last four games. So that's, I suppose, good for them. They are uh, sort of peaking in that sense, but also I, you know, it's hard to say what team comes in here, but I think you're right. I think that they have to seem to have played to the level of their opponent. And, you know, I, I don't know what kind of team couldn't get up for this kind of you know, I mean this is uh this is definitely a big game. It's a three thirty game. Despite the fact that, you know, Texas AM is with three losses basically just playing the spoiler here. I think mm-hmm. that we'll certainly take their best shot. Um Are sure. there any other any other narratives you're saying here?
0: well to that just to to add to your point there i think that i mean this could potentially be kellen Mond's last game as an aggie so it's one of those things where he wants to have a good game against one of the best teams in the nation he wants to show the nation and all the scouts out there that he has something yeah, and one of his last games one of his last games and, and so uh you know he's going to want to show what he can do and so are a lot of his teammates who are most likely going to be leaving for the nfl draft uh, potentially this year so i think there's definitely that um so I think we see a team that's going to want to play to win regardless of the outcome of their season uh, for, you know, if we're, if we're taking that into account, you know?
1: Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I don't, this doesn't feel like a game that's going to be a letdown on either side for me. Uh, if you're UGA, you have to win this game to make the SEC championship mean anything at all. Um, And I think we are going to see a pretty focused UGA and I think UGA has been focused pretty much hundred percent of the time this year outside of the USC game. So um, what are you, what are we thinking about, you know, stats players worth highlighting? Before we get into the real advanced stats stuff. Do you I, I know you have I'm just going to mute my microphone and I'm going to get out of the way. So I know how <laughs> you, you have a lot to say about Texas A&M. I and do not have even, that much to say about Texas A&M. Oh, the fuck you don't. I'm I don't have a lot more to- notes. I'm completely at your honest. Notes.
0: <laughs> so i have a lot to you say have, about no hold on
1: you have one two three four five I'm, so, I'm sorry to put you on blast here my brother but one two three four <laughs> five six seven sub points
0: about the
1: dog mascot
0: that's what i'm saying i don't have much to say about texas a m but i got a shit ton to say about this lovely okay. dog of theirs that i learned about tonight and i will say i may have just learned about her and i've never met her before but i would die for revelry that's a big swing but okay I'm going to just get out of the way and let you take this. I some figured you but you you probably muted your microphone at that point. Do you want me to tell you about the dog before we get into stats?
1: I know. I want you to tell me about everything. Just give me give me everything you got right now. I want you to get this off your chest. This is right. live therapy. We got this we is... got 8 we got 8 paying cast customers in this uh <laughs>
0: call with us and we're just going to talk about your bullshit with this dog. But all right. Hey, by the end of this Miss Rev is going to be everyone and she's going to be America's sweetheart to at least 8 more kind souls that decided to listen to this podcast tonight
1: oh there's only seven there's only seven i miscounted damn it english major carry on
0: your your heart included there it is uh so yeah let's let's just talk about it so this dog reveille miss rev around campus to her friends to fifty thousand of our closest friends who all attend the texas a&m university she was uh found the very first reveille in 1931, she has been known as the First Lady of Aggieland since 1931, when a uh, a truck full of students, cadets specifically, were coming back from a party, and they hit a dog, and so they took that dog back to the dorms and nursed her back to health and hid her since dogs were not allowed on campus, and she stayed with them there until uh, apparently there was like a burglar that came into the, the dorms one night, and uh, Reveille... You know, heard this, found out about it, started barking her face off until everybody knew about Revely, Also chased the burglar off, and so she was allowed to stay. And at that point, she kind of had free reign of the campus and was just kind of the the dog on campus. <laughs> uh, but since then, she has become the official mascot of the Texas A and M Aggies. Um, she is fun facts. She is the highest ranking member of the Texas A and M Cadet Corps. She has five civil stars, Silver Stars, while the, uh, the core Commander has four. Uh, there's also somebody whose job that I want very much called the Mascot Corporal, who takes care of her, and their job is to hang out with Miss Rev all the time and bring her along with them wherever they go. Um, also, fun fact is that this Reveille is the ninth Reveille since 1930. Uh, so these dogs got some longevity in them. She is a, by the way, she's a rough collie. Um, and Reveille is so near and dear to my heart already because I grew up with a collie named Abby, uh, and she was wonderful and perfect, and she lived to be 16. Um, also, Reveille has her own website, so everyone should probably go see it and see how beautiful and perfect this dog is in her fantastic little outfit. Um, and I'm going to stop before I get too deep into this because I really could talk about this lovely dog for the rest of my life. But She
1: is wearing kind of like... What I, would do- what I would term is like a formal dog dress mm-hmm. that, I, I very, that very much appeals to me. Okay, yes. so we've talked about the dog. The dog <laughs> does have a website. I will say, in the interest of full disclosure, we did talk about Rodrigo Blankenship's website. We sure did. And this Reveille is from Ohio, and that makes sense because Ohio is the second whitest place on Earth, and College Station, uh, Texas, is the first whitest place on Earth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Reveille also has, and I'm sure you'll be excited to see this, a Twitter account.
0: I just want to say that you may be acting big and bad right now, but before we started recording, you were all into this dog. <laughs> no, I'm fully into this dog. She's like my second
1: favorite non-UGA dog mascot. Mm-hmm. So I'm into it. I'm into it. That's that's high praise.
0: There's a second lot of good favorite boys and girls. Okay, because the first is the mule.
1: No, the mule is not a dog. But yeah, my, the mule is my favorite. My favorite mammalian mascot of any. His name's Blaster the Burrow, and he's from the Colorado School of Mines. Put some respect on his name, first of all.
0: <laughs> Who is your first non-UGA dog mascot favorite? Oh, uh, Smokey, my dog.
1: I fucking love Smokey. <laughs> Sm- Smokey. Smokey is my fucking favorite. I love blue Hounds. I've always wanted a blue Hound. Like, I love, I love blue Hounds. And Smokey right. is just like a big old doofus, and when he gets cold, he has a little fur coat that he wears, and they put a big coonskin hat on him when he's cold. And he's a perfect, beautiful boy, and I hope he had his hugs and his big jacket today.
0: Hey, I could love you him. put all of your bullshit about this dog away for a moment, Nathan? We're trying to have a podcast.
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, Blaster does also have a Twitter account, so I just want to say we may have all just been like dunked on
0: a little bit by Blaster.
1: I hope Blaster's Twitter account is just like real trolly. Hold on. <laughs>
0: I'm a burrow. I stand around all day, eat grass, and kick ass. Is what it says. I don't think this is the actual burrow. but I'm pretty sure that's not burrow. Blaster the Burrow. There's only two tweets there, and nine followers.
1: All right. Anyway, all right. Are we gonna talk about? Are we gonna talk about like what we came <laughs> here to talk about? Okay.
0: All right. Let's talk about football then. Let's talk about some significant players whose names we are probably going to be hearing uh, over the weekend. So the very Arbor. first one that we're going to be hearing forever, and yeah. it probably won't stop, is Kellen Mond so kellen Mond is the quarterback for texas a&m he's the junior so he's been doing this for at least a minute he has on the season 2435 yards passing 18 touchdowns uh through the air with six interceptions 400 yards rushing for uh 4.3 average yards and seven touchdowns on the ground so what can you dig into about kellen mond for us is he as much of the uh offensive production player uh like the the solo production um well i or, mean okay so what more kellen do you know Mon, about him?
1: kellen Ron coming into this year i mean there's not a lot to know i mean he is incredibly he's an incredibly talented player he gets a lot of accolades for being a guy who can throw and run which is true um he has never really to my mind in big games he has never really played up to that level right so if we look at so you know he has pretty good stats in the year, as you said, he's thrown for 2,400 yards. But if we look at his biggest games, so he played against this year he's played against Auburn, Alabama, and Clemson. So we look at his three biggest games. None of them were super impressive performances on his part. I don't, I don't mean to be, I'm not trying to be mean, but so against Auburn he went 31 for 49, 335 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Good game, very good game, better than Jake Fromm had. Against Alabama. He went 24 for 42, 264, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Pretty low completion percentage there, right? Against Clemson, he went uh, 24 for 42. Wow. He went the exact same stat line. 24 for 42, 236, uh, 5.6-yard average, one touchdown, one interception. 23.8 QBR against Clemson. His QBR against Alabama was 52.4. QBR against uh, Auburn was 54.9. That is a QBR is an imperfect measure, but it is uh from a zero to from to one hundred. So against the best teams that he's played, he has not had great. He hasn't had I mean, he just hasn't had great games against good teams. And at the end of the day, I mean, I don't know that this team is Ohio State defensively, but I don't know that there's a team that's better. There's a there's a defense that's better than UGA other than Ohio State right now. So I'm not saying he's not talented. I certainly think that he could go off on us. He he really can run very well, although I think that kind of runs into the speed that uh all we have a huge speed advantage I think over most teams. But it's just hard for me to imagine if they win this game, I think it will be for reasons other than Kellen Mond. Let me put it that way.
0: Yeah. It seems to me, yeah, and we can get into it a little bit later. I have some some kind of ideas of how this team might be able to win this game, but It's not going to be from Kellen Mond having like a superstar kind of day. That's not how this team wins. It's not how this team necessarily scores, despite what his production numbers look like. Um, Other players that we will probably see uh, and hear about a good bit on the offense, at least Isaiah Spiller is their number one rushing uh, running back. Their second most rushing uh, player is actually Kellen Mond with 400 yards rushing. Isaiah Spiller's yards are, are close to 800, uh, and he, you know, he's a little bit under the DeAndre Swift line right now. I don't have the numbers in front of me, which I probably should. Yeah. Have. So
1: right now, Isaiah Spiller is, um, he's had 60 rush yards total versus AP top 25 teams this year. He's had 2.6 rush yards versus uh, per carry uh, per rush attempt to uh, versus AP top 25 this year. That's on 23 attempts, no touchdowns versus top eight top 25 teams, right? So. Versus top twenty-five teams, Kellenmon, just by reference on the same page, has a fifty nine point four completion cent- percentage. That's pretty good. Eight hundred and thirty five yards, uh, and five touchdowns. So like that's fine. But like both of these guys are I would say better than serviceable, but probably worse than elite, if that makes sense. Um, I think I think one that you haven't mentioned here, oh, you want to talk about Jamon Osmond first?
0: Yes, I said his name so funny before we started recording that I wanted you to say it first, so thank Jermon you. how Osmond is how, he's, <laughs> is how I yes. believe you say his name.
1: He's there. Yes. By, by far their wide receiver one. Um, he, on the year, he has 54 receptions, 744 yards, 13.8 per average, three touchdowns, long of 41. Not a game breaker, but he is a big guy, uh, 6'2", 218. He's not necessarily like... He's a, he's a very, very good player, but I don't know that he's necessarily like a streak down the field, take the top off the defense. How long of 41 is pretty low for a, a, an elite wide receiver. Now, we're nothing to talk about when it comes to elite wide receivers, because certainly we haven't had great production in the past game. Mm-hmm. But still, I would say, you know, I think the the player that scares me the most on this team is Buddy Johnson. He's a linebacker, number one. He's had 33 solo tackles, one sack, one forced fumble, no interceptions this year, Um he has just had some really good games against Alabama. He had 11 tackles, uh, eight of them solo. I mean, he, he's just a guy who like gets around. He's, he's fast. He's strong. He is a junior this year. So he's experienced, um, he can rush the passer pretty well, uh, from, from linebacker spot. So, I mean, Not necessarily, you know, they have a very, they have a couple of very good defensive tackles that also I think are worth thinking about uh, in terms of people that would be worried about. But I think Buddy Johnson is definitely their most active player on defense. Uh, Defensively uh, on the D line, they have a couple of pretty good uh, defensive linemen. Yeah. So I I think the guy you got to look at is, uh, and I'm going to butcher his name on their D line is uh, Justin Madubuik, 6'3, 304 pounds. He is a, he is a he's a big old boy and uh, 37 tackles, three and a half sacks from the defensive tackle from the nose tackle position. One forced fumble, one interception this year. Um, he's looked good uh, on the year, and I think I don't think he's quite a Jafon Kinlaw type that gave us so much trouble against USC. But I think he is somebody that is worth looking at. If we have trouble, you know, holding serve up the middle, especially in pass protection, you start to think this could be a little bit more of a trap game. You know, other than that, I, d- I mean, is there anybody else you want to point
0: out on their team we're
1: thinking about here?
0: I think those are definitely the biggest ones. I mean, uh, Calamon's one of those players that the commentators are going to have a field day just kind of going through and talking about Calamon this, Calamon that. He's, he's kind of like the Tua of, of Texas A&M. And so he will be the one we hear the most about, most definitely. So do you want to talk about things we want to see? Yeah. So let's talk about things we do let's say let's do things we don't want to see first like what would texas a&m have to do to win this game so what are things we would see when this game starts that clue us in that this game is not going well
1: uh disruptive defensive line play from the the get-go um oh i i think look uj is probably going to struggle to run the ball because we're going to run the inside zone read kill me um (laughs) but i you know if we start one of the things that we've low-key done really well recently is um, we've 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 gotten really good interior pass protection on the offensive line. At, like I think often uh, in terms of pass protection, we've actually lived up to our billing offensive line wise. But I would so I would be worried if we start to solve, see early pressure from the interior of the offensive line on passing plays because I think every game we're going to kind of have to rely on our uh, passing concepts to open up our running concepts because our offensive coordinator seems to be unwilling to do it until it just doesn't work and he has to. Like has to do it if that makes sense, and that's very sad now <laughs> and now I'm sad um, but <laughs> sorry, uh, but the other thing I think about him is that or about this game, another thing that I think would be kind of a problem would be I think the defense is gonna play well you 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 worry if. You know, can Texas A&M make an early response? So if we have an early touchdown drive, as we did on Saturday, and Texas A&M is able to come back and tie it up very quickly, that does not bode well. Because the way we've been winning games is just kind of by attritioning people to death and just like, you know, if they don't score, we won't lose kind of bullshit. Which, yeah, like, God bless Eric Russell. But, like, that's just – it's not a sustainable – I keep telling people it's not a sustainable way to play football these days. And I and keep, they keep being proven. <laughs> yeah, I keep being proven like sort of wrong, but not really wrong. And so that's very frustrating. Um, I, I also just think like any, any like, if we just see some turnovers in this game, because we play low margin football, we play football like we don't have any talent. And so what that means like functionally is that if we see turnovers, those matter more. Our turnover luck matters more than it should because we are not going to try to run, you know, 30, 40 yards. Or we're not going to try to uh, score 30 or 40 points a game, right? So any of those three. Obviously, turnovers, turnovers always matter. But when you, play, when you play, and I'm going to try to control myself, low margin must-champ ball. When you play that way, when you have a turnover, it's bad because you were bad at scoring points and you just gave points away. So the answer is not to then say we have to tighten up the defense, which is arguably the second or third best defense in the nation. The answer then is to change what your offense does. Because at some point, if something doesn't work enough times, you should change it. And I don't know how else to say that. I don't know how more abundantly clear. There is no ex... Nathan? Nathan? There is no ex... Nathan? Nathan? There's no X's and O's explanation for some of the play calls that we have seen. I swear I will be miffed. I will be a little tad upset if we see more inside zone read on early downs. And I'm saying this for a very particular reason. It's okay to run the inside zone game. It's fine. It's a boring play. That's kind of a throwback to the seventies. And I hate it because are we the Denver Broncos from 1982? Doesn't matter. But, the inside zone read works when you have a quarterback who will keep the ball. The zone read action just delays your running back out of the backfield and allows all of your linebackers, uh, your, your the opponents linebackers, to scrape down and fill holes when they see where the play is going. It doesn't make any sense to do that when your quarterback is never going to catch the ball. I I cannot I cannot fathom why we are doing it. I can't I can't I don't get it justin
0: <laughs> oh <sighs>
1: flames i'm, so, I'm flames. so sorry flames all over the side of my head all over all my face um uh, what was the original question
0: what we were talking about oh you <laughs> don't want to see <laughs> well, okay things so that clues what are the
1: things that you, you want to see please t- pull me back from the ledge here because man this that was rough uh what, so, you, what are things that you want to see
0: here so looking down these stats real fast when texas a has the ball they are not a very, like, take what we're doing and, you know, how we always say that, uh, you know, we're, we're very privileged to believe that this team is super bad. And really, in the grand scheme of things, we're still pretty dang good, especially when looking down this stat line for Texas A&M. Like, for instance, yards per play for Texas A&M, they're 43rd, Georgia's 4th. They are 73rd yards per attempt, including uh, sack yardage, to Georgia's 7th. Uh, yards per carry, they're 13th, which is really their best offensive stat other than when you get to the success rate stats. So what's really interesting to see is that despite all of those numbers, uh, this this team doesn't do anything flashy. Like take what George is doing and everything that you were just upset about moments ago and multiply that by at least six on any given stat. And that's the rank you get for Texas A&M. Like just imagine for a moment, that this is the norm forever and always. And this is kind of where you're at for Texas A&M, except when it comes down to success rate. I think it's one of those law of large numbers, though, because, you know, Kellen Mond is throwing 40, 50 times a game. And so he's getting his way down the field, but he's not doing it in any way that's in any way flashy or sexy or in any way that's indicative that he will be a top-tier talent going into the NFL draft soon. They have the 21st pass success
1: rate in the nation. And they have the 53rd uh, red zone TD percentage. So they're just not finishing drives, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And that difference, I mean, 53rd is like, you know, pretty much dead average. But if you have such an above average, if you're so efficient through the air, or at least above average through the air, there's no reason that you can't finish drives a little bit more successfully. And I think you're right. I think. You know, there are some empty numbers in Kellen Mondstadt's sheet where he's
0: throwing it all over the ball, all over the place, but they still lose by 20, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh diving down into their success rate per per downs, Um first down success rate is 13th in the nation to Georgia's 35th. Uh, second down success rate, 14th for Texas A&M to Georgia's 11th on defense. Uh, Texas A&M 35th on third down to Georgia's 8th on defense. And the real kicker is fourth down success rate, they're second best offensively in the nation to Georgia's 8th uh, defensively. So uh there's there's a a pretty good idea like you can kind of pick this apart and start to tell a story of what we're probably going to see from this team and it starts to look a little bit like a team that does really well when they you know depending on their opponent like they played their opponent that's kind of what we're seeing here in these stats is like they're not doing anything exceptionally well. They're just playing football a lot (laughs) anytime they have the ball if that makes sense they're they're
1: playing like between a three and five loss team which is what Mm -hmm. it appears well i mean they're objectively going to be somewhere between a three and five loss team this year and that's how they're playing right i mean do you want to roll this into our advanced stat part here yeah for sure so like overall their efficiency numbers right uh 10th and rush success rate very good 21st and pass success rate pretty good 13th and success rate overall however they are 43rd on yards per play this is not by any stretch of the imagination an explosive offense, which really doesn't make sense when you have somebody like Kellen Mon who's such a dynamic offensive player in the backfield. If you look at Texas A&M explosively, this kind of bears out, right? So, like their explosive play rate on the year sixty fourth. Their explosive pass, their explosive pass rates, passing explosive rate is hundred and thirteenth. That's bad, man. Yeah, you know their that's their explosive bad. rate. Their explosive rate rush or rushing explosive rate is twenty sixth. Uh. They're scoring opportunity, drive inside the opponent's 40, touchdown percentage is 30th. So they have a lot of yards. They're not very explosive. And they're only, you know, slightly above average when it comes to getting TDs, when like actually finishing drives from inside of the 40. This is a team that is pretty good on first down, pretty good on second down just sort of straight up average on third down and that kind of bears that out right like this is a team that can pass the ball efficiently they can run the ball efficiently when you get them in third down situations they are not as good at all i mean this is a team that should score some points they've scored points on pretty much everyone they played this year with the exception of clemson but they also i i don't know that if there's anything here like this is a better offense than uh auburn certainly this is not an offense where it's like oh holy shit this offense should not be on the field of georgia's defense this is an offense that is going to probably score some points on georgia's defense yeah but with the exception uh if you look at their biggest games i mean they scored 28 points on alabama that's good they scored 20 points on auburn that's okay they scored 10 points on clemson that's not great those three those three teams are the closest comparison that we have to georgia's team right and frankly, Georgia probably has a better defense than Georgia definitely has a better defense than Auburn and might have a better defense than Alabama. Or actually probably does have a better defense than Alabama. So yeah. like I, I expect that this team is going to score points, but you know, their defense is only okay, right? Hmm. They're just good and or average as opposed to being superlative. So I think that hopefully this is a game where Georgia can get more than twenty-one points on the board and it just won't matter. Yeah. Um other things I think you know c- when it comes to statistics i mean this is a game where when georgia has the ball they should be able to have success like i i hate i hate to sound like this because i hesitate to ever say anything positive about georgia's offense but you know uh <laughs> texas ms defense their uh pass success rate is 14th per uh 14th in the nation success rate total is 25th but the thing they're worst at is actually rushing success rate 56 in the nation and if you look at it uh, a yards per temp include. Uh, yards per carry without sack yardage they're 87th in the nation so they're not that great of a run defense they're just a little bit below average when it comes to um explosiveness rate overall 49th in the nation they are you know pretty good at preventing the explosive pass 24th in the nation but they are 81st in the nation and presenting the explosive run so this is one of those times where like You should be able to run it against this team if you are just a little bit creative. If you do the same old bullshit, it's not going to work, right? So, I mean, I think eventually in the third quarter, we'll go into halftime and somebody will talk to James Coley and be like, hey, run a pitch. It seems to be working or run an outside zone or run literally any play but the inside zone read option. Um, And when that happens, I think we're going to have some success. But, oh, okay, I got to stop. I got to pull the cynicism out here. <laughs> this is a this is a defense we should be able to have some success against. They are uh, 15th in the nation in third down conversion percentage so they're pretty good at defending the third down if they get you especially yeah. I think into like passing situations because they have a better passing defense than uh, rushing defense but hopefully that's not an issue for UGA's offense, right? If if UGA's in that
0: position they got bigger issues as so far yeah. as I can tell. Yeah. I think this is definitely a game where we're going to need to do that thing you remember when we were super excited about this offense earlier in the season you know because we had the best first and second down success rate that's going to be what we need to do in this game Do you know how i remember here let me tell you how i remember (laughs) go ahead
1: no let me tell you how i remember it Uh there's this ernest hemingway short story called hills like wide elephants and it's just two Mm -hmm. people talking about a train station it's this man and this woman but really what it's about is this man and this woman who have had this like tour to fair through europe in the 30s and the woman's gotten pregnant and the man's trying to convince her to get an abortion I remember the times that we thought that this uh, offense was good the same way that those two remember their torrid affair. Like, oh, Paris, ah, oh, Prague, Brussels wasn't that great. And now you're pregnant and I want you to get an abortion. That's how I feel about this offense, my dude. <laughs> I, have, a, I well, have various other Ernest Hemingway based metaphors for this offense if you'd like. Uh huh. I, well, I- I- if this is the old man in the sea, I'm definitely the Marlin. Oh I'm boy. just picked to the bone.
0: All right, carry on. All that to say is that that's going to be what this this Georgia offense needs to look like in order to have success, I feel. Because this, this Texas A&M defense does really well against quote-unquote man ball. And, and what I what I mean by that is that, you know, you already mentioned it once that this Texas A&M defense, their stuff rate uh, is 16th in the nation. Their red zone uh, touchdown percentage is 11th in the nation. Like, they're playing really well against teams that are getting to that point. And a lot of the teams they did well against, considering, you know, these statistics specifically, were sec teams that were run first teams and Mm so i imagine that's something that we might see from this you know and on top of that they're 11th ranked havoc rate and so they're gonna be running havoc plays and so we're gonna probably have to get we're gonna have to be creative if we don't get creative we're gonna get sacked we're gonna get stuffed we're gonna be caught in the backfield we're gonna have a low scoring game and everyone's gonna be pissed off and bored
1: (laughs) Well, oh, not pissed off and bored at a UGA game. God, God no, forbid, sir. No, not me. <laughs> I got, I got, to, I got to take the sentence out. I really do think that this. I think that this football team is very talented. Obviously, I also think that this football team has a lot of offensive talent. I just am frustrated about by his by his uh, utilization. Now, I will say, defensively, Mike Elko is there. Is their, is their um, defensive coordinator? He was the defensive coordinator, I believe. Uh, in 2017, I'm pretty sure he was the defensive coordinator for Notre Dame when he played uh, when we played against them. Very similar kind of defense. You're gonna be very active in the center of the defense. Uh, very active inside linebackers. He likes to bring pressure from a lot of places. Runs a lot of four down linemen stuff. I mean, obviously everybody's multiple, so that doesn't really mean anything. But Mike Elko is a very, very good defensive court, uh, coach, but he will bring pressure. He's not quite like a uh, third and Grantham type, but he is
0: really creative about where he's going to bring uh,
1: where he's going to bring you know blitzes from, etc.
0: So, do you have some over unders to help kind of uh, tell the story further of this game?
1: Yeah, over under two UGA rushing TDs.
0: I'm going to just go ahead and say over because I'd like to live to see next week. <laughs> uh i'm gonna join you in that over for one the same reason and two because i think that's gonna that that's it's gonna be how we win this game we have to win this game by that
1: yeah if we win this game like you know how i was like i can't see us just throwing the ball over florida we need to run on them and then we didn't and we won like Uh fine but it's
0: hard to see uh first over under for me is kellen mond one and a half interceptions he's got six on the year so far do we pick him off again uh and the way i think we get there is that we we shut this team's run game down i think the the biggest bright light for this team is their uh run game and so if we shut that down between the two players that are really producing rushing yards kellen mond and isaiah spiller do we pick some interceptions off
1: i'm gonna say under we i'm gonna say under because i think it's the smartest thing to say but i know that although i've said it we're gonna have like six interceptions against this guy
0: <laughs> and that's that's been a big question mark i know for this team as well is like our are, are cornerbacks getting healthier and are they strong enough are they flashy enough are they talented enough to compete against lsu when the time comes and so i'm hoping we have something to tell I, i'm hoping that we have something to pull out of this game to tell later on yeah. and i'm hoping that this is it so yeah. you've got the under uh,
1: yeah uh, although it's like um, every time you come up with one of these dumb fucking things it's <laughs> like well i mean st- you know statistically no and then it always yeah. happens
0: over under 1.5
1: uga sacks
0: oh mine is over by the way on that one because i i want to believe uh one and a half uga sacks uga getting sacked or creating uh sacks? like creating sacks i i don't think that this is the way we're going i think i think it's under i think that we'll probably get one sack on the day and the the reason being is i think that we're going to try and put pressure on kellen mon we're going to you know load the box and everything but i don't think we're going to put a lot of blitzes in to to actually get the sacks we might I get to so. there's there's definitely a chance I believe so. so a pretty uh substantial and pretty impressive stat honestly is the fact that this team is rushing for 5.1 yards on average it's impressive though but i you know where, where do we sit on that are we gonna be below let's say four and a half you know four and a half yards per carry over under for uh texas a oh uh, under. hold on under. i'm gonna adjust it 4.2 under under okay slam that under yeah i think that's still too easy honestly um i'll also give you a under we're just gonna agree a bunch it looks like
1: yeah, well, it's just hard because I think we both kind of have the same. This is a game where, like, I feel like I, I haven't heard your prediction yet, but I feel uh-huh. like we're going to be kind of in the same area
0: on this game. Okay, over under 174 UGA rushing yards. UGA rushing yards. That's pretty solid. That's a tough one. And the reason why it's tough is because Texas a is allowing right now 132 yards. Georgia's producing 208. To splitting that is around there ish and earlier we even said like we think that this game is one through the air for uga um oh no we didn't we said the exact opposite um i'm gonna say under because i think you're gonna say over right yeah oh
1: yeah i'm gonna say over
0: okay so you'll hit the over i'll i'll take the under
1: just yeah, because I every mean, time
0: that i've thought we're about to rush or yeah, uh, the then bunch, we don't. yeah i know yeah i know
1: i'm thinking Chick that Frum's we're gonna get weird. to 175 and i'm gonna lose the average yardage one because we're gonna get to 175 <laughs> by rushing for like three yards of carry like 100 times
0: uh-huh just gonna uh, never stop running the ball so irk russell actually just sent in a question while he's uh-huh. listening the show right now and i like it for an over under okay. um and you'll have to to roll with me here but his is he he said an ask cbc is uga has covered the spread for three weeks in a row will it be four and so my over under is and a half yeah says so well the over under is 45 points the spread's 13 and a half yeah um and will they cover the spread one more time is my question over under uh, covers the spread yes uh, no
1: 13 and a half point oh,
0: <laughs> this tells me what your prediction might be. I thought you were gonna go in a different direction with your prediction, but this is telling me otherwise.
1: I have a feel for how I think this game is gonna go. And I think they're good, but they're not as good as Auburn. Oh fuck. <laughs> over.
0: Over is in the cover the spread.
1: Yeah, 13 and a half is a great number because I have no
0: fucking idea. I am slamming the over. So hard. Oh, you're ready, huh? I'm ready. I really thought, we really
1: thought a lot about that to agree on it. Wait,
0: <laughs> I didn't think you would say over, to be honest.
1: Yeah, well, I think it's going to be like a 13 point win, so I can't decide.
0: Oof. Uh, all right, well, you know well I mean? if that's the case, then then paint me a picture.
1: I think this is a game where UJ and I'm going to say this very quietly. Hold on. I'm going to move my mic so you can hear me. Hold on. I'm going to get close to my desk. Hold on. Hold on. this is me knocking on wood okay now i'm gonna stand back up sit back up right there okay i think uga can run in this game i think i think they can think i i i think this is the kind of game where again it will be similar to what it has been in the past few weeks where we have a lot of frustrations in the first half because the rendering doesn't doesn't seem to be working very well but You know, I do think that those, uh, the the many, many, many unsuccessful runs do sort of help wear down the other team eventually. So to that end, it kind of feels to me like this is a game where UGA will probably be in a closer, it will probably feel closer at times than the Auburn game because, you know, Auburn's offense was just not very good for most of the year. Or for most, well, yeah, true, but also for most of the game. And so it felt like often during that game, like, okay, well, we can't run. So, you know, God only knows, like, how we're going to, like, how are we going to score points? But at the same time, like, Auburn's offense just sucks so bad, it doesn't matter. I don't think this is going to be that kind of game because I don't know. I think that, you know, Texas A&M, frankly, just has a better offense. So I think Texas A&M is going to score a little bit on this team. I'm not saying they're going to score like 40 points, but I think they could easily put up 20, 25, 24 points but ultimately I think this is going to be a game that UGA wins just by sort of like running and 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 running. You know what I'm saying? So to me, this feels like 30, 37, 21. That's 27. So I'm just trying to, I'm trying to hold on. Let me think. So that's, two field goals, three field goals. Yeah, that that's kind of what it feels like. It feels kind of like a three-field goal game where it's just like Rodrigo just has to bomb the ball constantly, right? Because 31 gets you down to 28, four touchdowns, three field goals. That seems about right. Feels like two of those touchdowns will probably be towards the end of their third quarter. Maybe we break it out. Maybe we actually start running play action this year uh, at some point.
0: This week, this i okay.
1: I'm, in, I'm in, in general this year but yeah this oh. this, this might be the week <laughs> that we finally run like consistent play action so yeah thirty seven twenty one
0: what a weird score
1: i i try to build my scores backwards from like the actual like way i feel that the points are gonna be scored if that makes sense i think it's gonna be deeply painful because I think this could be the kind of a game that's like twenty eight twenty one in the third
0: yeah i see that so I, I definitely think this is going to be a game. In my mind, this is the way the UGA game narrative goes. Uh, they It's like a flash in the pan to start the game off. Like we have like a minute drive where they get a touchdown and everyone's like, whoa, oh, excuse me, whoop, um, is <laughs> what they actually say because it's a Texas A&M game. Whoop. Um, and then the next drive, like they, you know, they, they drive Texas A&M to a three and out and then we, you know, do it again. But this time it's a little bit slower and we get a field goal. It was 10-0. You know, and then maybe we'll get an interception or a fumble, get the ball back. But, you know, oh, darn, like we didn't make it to the red zone. We'll kick a field goal, 16-0. You know, we go into uh, halftime, maybe 23-0 because we get a running uh, rushing touchdown. You know, 23-0 going into third. We really slow it down. And this is when Texas a starts to pick it up. We go into the fourth quarter, 23-14. Um, at this point, we do start to pick it up. We get a few more touchdowns. We go up a good bit uh texas and gets a, another like a weird touchdown that they shouldn't have gotten you know they they've blown coverage or something like that and they try to go for two it doesn't work out uh so in my mind at the end of the day this looks more like a 41 to 20 game mm-hmm. so and that's okay, kind of yeah, like yeah. that that weird back and forth yeah, the yeah, way yeah. georgia does this thing and you're like uh, uh, uh and by the fourth quarter you know justin's had enough beers to where he doesn't really mind anymore um and the game's already put away but what is you know, it like if you to were,
1: drink when you watch a football game
0: stressful it's just it's it's stressful but in a different way like you're like should i be worried is kind of what you feel by third quarter because i try to keep like a rate of like beer per quarter but depending on the game i'll have like a a beer and a half or maybe even two beers per quarter you never know if i'm getting real wild watching the game downtown last weekend it was real wild right so forty-one twenty. that's what i'm looking for
1: i think that's good i think both of those are solid solid
0: predictions Uh
1: um let's take Oof. a look at our favorite segment which is ask cbc
0: yeah that's correct if you want to hear your questions on the show make sure you get them to us before we record each week before the preview or after the game for the reviews with the hashtag ask cbc or send them to us on gmail yes. at at gmail.com. we will answer those and as nathan said last week we do answer all of these very rarely do we not answer a question i think i can still count count on one hand the number of questions we have not answered over the three years we have been doing this so very first question comes from george zeliff who is most likely to be texas A&M's it factor if they're gonna have a chance this weekend mm, it's gotta be kellen mond i would think so i mean if he can start the run game means they can start play action and if they start play action i think we're actually in trouble but that's the only way that this game goes the wrong way i think um yeah banshee radio how it isn't too late. They say offense wins games and defense wins championships. What does George's offense and defense say about this team? <laughs> We're theoretically would be good
1: at winning championships if we could get to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think
0: I don't know that how
1: true that axiom is in 2019 though.
0: Yeah. Uh, next question comes from Andrew Delicato. I used to work with Andrea Delicato at the Rook and Pond, the very beginning of, of the Rook and Pond. Do I know him? Uh, I don't. No, you do not. He, he was very, very early, early Rook and Pond, and he moved away to uh, do artiste things. I do. So, question is, what is a twelfth man, and how does it rank versus UGA traditions? So, we didn't talk about this earlier because we were too busy talking about that wonderful dog, Rivelly. Mm-hmm. But the twelfth man comes from back in 1922. Uh, the Aggies were facing the Center College Praying Colonels. Hmm. in dallas (laughs) praying colonels, and apparently um the aggies kept on sustaining a whole bunch of injuries like over and over again and the story goes that the coach whose name was dana x bible he looked across his rapidly emptying bench and suddenly remembered he still had a player up in the stands whose name was e king gill who was just a practice squad player and he thought well better time than any you know in in true like rudy notre dame fashion calls gill down and gill has to put on some other guy's uniform who was injured in the first quarter and he puts gill in and uh apparently they go and win the game 22 to 14 uh which is as they say one of the greatest upsets in college football history you know the greatest upset you never heard about and uh gill is one of the last people that ended up being okay by the end of it but he did he i don't think he ever actually played he just went to the sideline and was the only player left on the sideline by the end of the game like <laughs> that's played sad. yeah it could have played but he didn't play he was just a backup in case they needed him and so the 12th man is meant to represent like you know the willingness to serve and loyalty and you know being called to do your job when you're needed to do your job so that's that that whole thing that tradition uh What Do we have any traditions that stack up to that, would you say? I mean, Battle Him. Oh, yeah. Battle Him is... I think Battle Hymn is is super neat. So those that aren't fully aware of... Like, do you know the origin of Battle Hymn other than just where it comes from musically? Yep, 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 I do.
1: 1987, Red Coat Sax player Jeff Simmons was going to rearrange Glory because he wanted to make like a beautiful, big like jazzy version of um glory right which is super yeah. peppy and like rah, 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 rah. i mean it's it's better than that, but you get what i'm saying so yeah. he goes to what is now the fine arts building it used to be the band hall right behind the mlc and he's sitting up in a practice room with his friend who was a trumpet player named marion english so uh, this is the year before i was born so they write out a version of glory glory of course being based on battle hymn of the republic that's the direction they take it so because marion was his best friend marion insisted that jeff write a trumpet solo for the for the beginning of the tune right and so basically it got played sort of like it was kind of like the core song if you're familiar familiar it still is UJ's core song it is the red coat core song but uh it, it was kind of like the core song for um for the redcoats in many ways for many years something that they played a lot and something they got played during the games but was not necessarily like the focus of the pre-game tradition in night in 2000 uh the current director of the uh redcoat band among others uh rewrote the pre-game show uh to include the battle hymn solo in the upper decks upper deck southwest corner blah 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 blah, blah, blah. Um, So it's cool. I think it's a cool tradition because it is just as like organic and student led as the 12th man, albeit obviously like a lot less uh, old Um, because, you know, it was just these two dudes who just like wanted to write something. And then like, you know, 33 years later, you've got or 32 years later, you've got kids growing up imagining being that soloist. Right. And it just started with these two dudes sitting in a practice room playing the
0: piano. And I think that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Next question comes from Herschel Skywalker. Why did the tall one talk so much about board games? I thought this was a podcast about Florida, man.
1: Who is this? Who is this motherfucker? <laughs> hold on a second. No, hold on. No, hold on.
0: No, hold on. <laughs> hold on. Who does this piece of shit think they are? Hold on. Herschel. That one I got a kick out of when I was putting
1: together the notes. All right. Well, I respect that his uh, his bio is greatest running back and Jedi warrior of all time. May this force be with y'all. Uh, Athens, <laughs> playing at his location. Uh,
0: I don't know Herschel because
1: I didn't have enough girlfriends when I was young,
0: frankly. Uh, Rinal Redhawk asks, "Who is the real Texas A&M? The team that barely beats Arkansas, or the team that competes with Clemson in Death Valley?"
1: Um, I think at this point it's probably closer to the Clemson one.
0: I think that's, so too. I mean, this team is still ranked in the last three or four per oh, SP they're Plus. They're still ranked fifteenth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a good team. That's that's pretty damn good. There's nowhere near Arkansas. <laughs> staffer keg delivery where does Revely rank among the live mascots of the sec thank you for bringing this up thank you for asking i think that she is a very good dog and i'll give her number two
1: i'm gonna say three but that's just because of my personal blue tick coon hound fascination that's fine that's fine
0: Kyle nab asks who is on the offense of your all disney football team any disney property he says <laughs> oh who's on offense Who's on the offense if your all Disney football team? I mean, this has just become the troll show, apparently.
1: Yeah, seriously. Captain America is the quarterback. Uh, I'm gonna have Hulk as my entire offensive line. We're gonna run you can't like hit him for no, all no, of no. Them. Just listen, 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 okay. just listen, Just listen. We're gonna run the I11 offense, which is a uh, it was an offense that the A11 offense rather is an offense where you have a center, a Y back, a U back, and then you have six wide receivers um and you have two and you have two people in the backfield both of which can throw the ball and the two people in the backfield are going to be cap and let's go ahead and say just so we don't do our all marvel universe Mm -hmm. i think my second my second guy in the backfield who's going to be more like my lynn bowden style um running back who can throw is going to be stitch from lilo and stitch thank you i was just about to say stitch yeah virtually indestructible Right, quick on his feet, great versatility, moves quickly, very squishy, pullable like cat, <laughs> like taffy candy, but can't be hurt. Basically, I think he's he's a great choice.
0: Um, Three and, wide receivers, the Jonas uh, brothers from Camp Rock. Uh, no, fuck that. Okay, we're, we're try, <laughs> We need a team that
1: can win. We can need a team that can win. So obviously, one of our outside wide receiver is Vision. Can't he? Can't uh-huh. be? He cannot be interfered with, nor can he interfere. That's that's easy that's easy right that's a back shoulder fade all day all day uh i think our our u player who's going to be our tight end one of them is going to be thor the other one is going to be cronk from the emperor's new groove cronk might be the center no, no no the center's hulk so Kronk's the cronk's so the y player then our other outside receiver who's a good who's a good disney character Oh no, our interior, our interior kind of like scat back slot receiver is definitely gonna be rage from inside out. That's for sure. Okay. Because like fine. that dude, that dude will fuck you up over the middle. And it's like Lewis Black, and that that I find that to be that's very appealing. I'm gonna say that our interior B receiver here is gonna be Ray. Force powers, has a lightsaber, very hard to block because of said lightsaber. Um, can get into your dreams, alluring eyes just total package total first round grade um our a interior receiver is gonna be who's the who would be the best disney princess at playing football
0: um i'm thinking hillary duff's character from cadet kelly
1: okay that's uh, that's barely a disney princess the actual answer is what (laughs) samantha just said which is (laughs) mulana
0: that's fair oh no i'm trying to get deeper
1: cuts it's definitely mulan right trained soldier good with the sword again Both of our interior receivers have swords, right? We've got Ray Cadet Kelly. Cadet, fuck Cadet Kelly, not a (laughs) Disney princess. We've got Ray at the B receiver position, lightsaber force powers. We've got Mulan at the A receiver position, proving that gender is not is just a construct, uh, you know, created by society, and that you know, sexuality and gender are fluid. Also has a sword. Total package, first round grade. So we've got one more slot receiver. We need somebody quick who can go across the middle. We need like our Danny Amendola. We need our, like, who's our little white guy receiver on this team?
0: Mm. We, we've already got
1: Rage, and we've got Stitch, who can both kind of play that role, but we need, like, a real, like, somebody who looks like they can, oh, Max from a Goofy movie. I think Max from a Goofy movie is a great slot receiver because he's he's just straight up, like, he he's doesn't seem that fast, but he's, like, indestructible. And he, and, he, and he gets his rod and reel. I'm playing this game where we get to bring our equipment into the game. So, like... Ray for instance, will not be wearing football pads, but she will have a lightsaber. Mulan will have laminated armor from the Han Dynasty.
0: I just feel like we missed a lot here. I feel like we missed a whole oh, uh, lot of Disney okay. Channel original movies, but you know what? That's All right, okay. fine, fine. I'll give you- You I'll min-maxed give, it. You min-maxed I'll, it, it's good.
1: No, I'll give you a token one. I'll give you a token one. I'm going to replace Thor, so we only have two Marvel characters. I'm going to replace Thor with the, as from the tight end for, uh, with Johnny Tsunami. With Johnny
0: Tsunami. I would choose Eric Von Detten's character from Brink before I choose Johnny Tsunami. Incorrect. Just the actual answer is the famous Jet Jackson.
1: <laughs> okay, that's fine. Let's blade. Yeah. I still think... <laughs> look, here's the thing. Famous Jet Jackson, team leader, knows how to balance two parts of his life, being a superhero and also an actor and also a regular kid. Uh, smart, committed, has like super gadgets Shockingly willing to commit violence. I mean, just like a full package again.
0: <laughs> again, I'm also just saying there are so many good, solid teams in Disney Channel original movies that we missed out on. Cheetah Girls got to kick it up. Camp Rock. What's the one Halloween with? Town. What's the one
1: with the volleyball team?
0: Uh, that is
1: Xenon Girl of the 21st century. Is did she have a volleyball team? She is the offensive coordinator. And the whole the <laughs> whole offensive playbook is on her little mini CD earrings.
0: Beautiful. I actually like that. Okay. We have to She'd move still on be better we than do James this forever. Coley. Dirty Dan asks, "What is your favorite Thanksgiving
1: dish?" Okay, it's my favorite is definitely cornbread dressing. But my favorite that nobody's had before is Mama Stanberg's uh, Cranberry Relish, which is this relish recipe that no one likes that I found that my dad found on NPR like 15 years ago and always makes. And it's like <laughs> cold and you partially freeze it and then you let it de so as pieces of ice in it. And it has like, it's like cranberry and onion and uh, horseradish relish. It's very huh. good. Yeah, I know. I everyone but me hates it. <laughs> it's okay. It's I'll fine. Try, I'd try it. Literally everyone but me hates it. It's totally okay.
0: But I love it. Uh, Anna's grandma makes this um, onion casserole, like any casserole. I am uh, I am casserole till I die. Hold like, on, hold on, whoop, hold on, hold on, <laughs> onion casserole. Oh yeah, it's like these pearled onions in a casserole with like you know cream and mushroom and all that kind of stuff, and then she bakes it, and there's some crispies on top, and it's really good. Like it does, it sounds like nothing, but it's everything, is the thing. Huh. Like my other favorite casseroles, corn crack, corn casserole fantastic green bean casserole give it to me now uh sweet potato casserole, corn like, casserole hit me with is it. very good corn casserole is pretty similar to your dressing uh uh what'd you say corn dressing cornbread no, dressing cornbread
1: dressing. have you never had cornbread dressing it's just like I have. it's just
0: like dressing but better mm-hmm. yeah very good thanksgiving is one of my favorite uh holidays because i just get to eat and i don't have to apologize for anything not that i should have to but even less so mm-hmm. all right Ryan Clark asks in the same (laughs) this is more Thanksgiving stuff when should I start defrosting my turkey right now Ryan what are you doing quickly stop what you're doing right now and defrost it if it's still frozen you've done it wrong yep how many Jimbo's are in a Dabo uh I would say one and a half because that's how many
1: fewer wins he has than Dabo ooh what's your favorite Thanksgiving dessert uh oh man pie that's not a good answer is it (laughs) cake okay hold on pecan pie where the pecan part goes all the way through none of this like k syrup only bullshit i need three or yeah, four no, layers no, no, no. of pecans
0: yeah uh thanksgiving dessert for me sweet potato casserole <laughs> like that is the thanksgiving dessert like i go back to the main table i'm like is there any more of that because that is the dessert mm-hmm, how do you stack mm-hmm. your thanksgiving leftover sandwich bottom to top
1: bread cornbread dressing Gravy, but only if it's giblet gravy with boiled eggs, Mm. turkey, mama stanberg's cranberry relish,
0: horseradish sauce, bread. That's pretty similar to mine. It's basically mine's whatever's left over, but the real key is like make sure that none of your wet stuff, like your gravy, your gravy goes right in the center, like you said. Mm -hmm. Like you go bread, then you go dressing because it's thick as hell. Then you can put, uh, sometimes I'll put the sweet potato casserole. Um, I'll also maybe put the dressing, uh, the cranberry dressing. And then you can put your turkey, and then your gravy, and then you put another layer of dressing or stuffing, whatever, wherever you're from, whatever you call it, Uh, and then your 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 top bread. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Should we wait on the Thanksgiving questions until next week? Is this last question? (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. Probably, huh? (laughs) Whoops. No, not you. Got to start prepping right now. Like, no, no, absolutely not. Next week, by the time you hear it on Tuesday, it's too late. Like, you've missed your chance. Everything good is gone. You need two days to really do Thanksgiving correctly, I feel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Joel, last minute, ask CBC, if I'm not too late, what is your
1: starter Pokemon? I've, I don't even own this game yet, and I've thought way too much about it. Well, it doesn't say anything specifically. It just says, what's your starter Pokemon? Okay, so I'm going to answer this for Sword and Shield. My answer for min-maxing purposes is obviously Bunny because he has the oh. fewest weaknesses and the most strengths. But my answer because I like him is got to be it's got to be uh, Grookey, the plant monkey, cuz he evolves into Rillaboom who is just like a big old drumming ape who like definitely fucks. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> uh if we're choosing Sword and Shield, which I don't I haven't played yet. I own it, I haven't played it. Grookey because look at that stupid little face. I he is a pie. I like Score
1: um, I like Score Bunny a lot. I Score Bunny looks like he grows up to be a fuck boy.
0: I like all their faces though. If like if you just Google Sword and Shield starters, yeah, Grookey so, is like Grookey mm, is. A I'll cutie. never tell. What's
1: your <laughs> What's your overall <laughs> What's your overall starter po- Pokemon?
0: Squirtle. Really? Always, always and forever, Squirtle. Squirtle, Squirtle is a strong choice. If we get into like last uh, Avatar the Last Airbender, like I'm Waterbender as well. Like water just speaks mm-hmm. to me for some reason. Mm-hmm. Like the whole like kind of just flexibility of it all. Like I, I I'm very much. Water starters. Um, my answer is definitely
1: litten the fire cat, because mm-hmm. it makes me think of my Scouty, who is my cat and yep. I love
0: her. He turns into a big wrestling boy.
1: And yes, he turns into a big wrestler boy, which is what Scout would be if she were six feet tall. <laughs>
0: uh Abby asks, What's the first thing you watched on Disney Plus? The Mandalore.
1: No, no, what was the first thing we- Samantha, what was the first thing we watched on Disney Plus? Oh yeah. Tom and Huck, the Disney Channel That's original version cut. of, yep, Deep Cut, the Disney Channel original version of Tom Sawyer with Jonathan Taylor Thomas.
0: Yeah, yeah, and is pretty ex- excited about the JTT on Disney Plus. Uh, we watched Smart House.
1: Oh, Smart House is good. That Dude, was the first Smart time House. I'd heard of a Long Island iced tea, and I thought it was just iced tea with yeah. sugar in it. I, I did like, too, and I watched how Smart House those, so much. Is that how those Yankees drink their tea? Not realizing there's just like a bunch <laughs> of different alcohol types
0: uh yeah we watched smart house and then i immediately started watching the original x-men cartoon series which is also on disney plus which is i did amazing.
1: watch that i've watched the mandalorian i've watched
0: oh we watched the goofy movie yeah we watched the goofy movie because yeah. i had this we whole will get thing to goofy movie as well oh there's
1: a goofy movie question okay go ahead
0: oh no no i will get to goofy movie I'm like yeah. watching it i haven't watched it
1: yet roxanne's hot i'm sorry i need to unburn myself oh yeah roxanne's attractive <laughs> i know she's a dog i get it she's hot it's fine mm. she's just hot i wish she weren't it's fine but she objectively is
0: and maybe one okay. day i'll
1: get over it but I, I i'm having a hard time right now working through it i have a lot of emotions about rox
0: <laughs> here is a statsier question uh, to sandwich all these before we get to west coast marks are there any statistics on how many times each receiver has run each kind of route in the route tree or possibly what routes were run each time a receiver was targeted Digging into the film, it seems like Coley does a poor job of matching routes to skill sets. They'll have a Robertson uh, running hitch routes instead of slants, so he isn't able to take advantage of his speed. They have Cager running uh, excuse me post routes. Why (laughs) can't I went Canadian there for a second? They have Cager running post routes when he is definitely not fast enough to get deep separation. Any thoughts or stats that may help me dig into this? Thanks. And this is from
1: Andrew Carmichael. Okay, so I pulled the route tree tables from Cager, Robertson, and Blaylock. And I actually think there's something to what you're talking about here. And I really hope that people listen to this long enough to hear this part because this is like the most cogent thing I'm going to say today. So um, I think there's something to this because there's a disconnect between the play the play share percentage and the yard share percentage. So, okay. Lawrence Cager has been tar- targeted six times on the curl route for 30 yards. That's 16% share of his catches. Okay, he has a 67% catch rate. He's been targeted four times in the out route, and he has 36 yards for a 10.81 share of his uh, uh, share of his yards and a 100% catch rate. He's been targeted on the go route three times for 104 yards, 8% share on three catches, 100% catch rate, right? It is weird. I mean, he's averaging like five yards a, a catch on the curl. He's averaging 10 yards a catch on the comeback. These are his top three by targets. He's averaging about 10 yards to catch on the black shoulder fade. He's averaging averaging 16 yards to catch on um, the uh, fade route, the straight-up fade route. He's also been targeted three times on the go route for 104 yards, twice on the drag for 36, twice on the hitch for 14, and once on the dig for 30. There's like kind of a weird disconnect where that we're hitting him on these curls. Now I will say part of that is just, you know, if you're going to run an NFL style offense, you're going to run a lot of curl routes and that's just kind of part of it. Um, but there's a weird disconnect And and it is actually even more when you look at Robertson, um, who plays a different position, right? But still he's run a corner. He's run the corner route four times for 50 yards. Okay. That's fine. He, his second most targeted thing is the fade route three times for zero yards. He's also read the cross. He's run the cross twice for nine yards. He's run the wheel once for 15 yards. He's run the drag three times for 20 yards. And then he's run the corner four times for 50 yards. Yeah, that is really, really crazy. His most effective play on the year is the hitch. Pretty much. That's weird. And then the out. Yeah, it's really weird, man. And then his like uh, Dominic Blaylock bubble. He's been hit for bubble screens four yards. Four times for 40 yards, seams two times for 16 yards, fades. Like, this is just, man, I'm glad they asked this question because there's, I need to do more research about it, but there's definitely a weird disconnect between how effective our wide receivers are per route and what they're being targeted by because they're being targeted on things that just aren't working right now. The fade is not working for Robertson. The pivot or like in cut is, it's only happened once, so that doesn't matter for play lock. But then if you look uh-huh. at, if you look at Cager, the most successful player on the team offensively, six times on the curl route for 30 yards four times on the comeback for 41 yards i mean that's fine but like what are we doing with our with our route trees right here and i know we're running some option routes so some of these are like dealer's choice or whatever the the player's seeing it but still it's just that is that is genuinely bizarre to me i need to do more research
0: all right carry on next question (laughs) uh we're, we're diving into some west coast mark uh questions real quick so West Coast Mark asks, uh, well, he starts rather with trying to not make this too wordy. So I don't get called out by Justin Scrawny ass is what he says. Hmm. Uh, what financial arrangements have been made between Texas A&M and Seattle Seahawks for marketing the 12th man? So
1: basically what ended up happening in 2016 is that the Seahawks are paying 140000 through Texas A&M for limited rights to the school's 12th man trademark on a five-year deal.
0: Money, money, money. Next question. Isaiah Spiller or Cordarian Richardson going to get mine for 100 yards this weekend
1: um yeah i could see that between two of them yeah i
0: pro- probably is ball control the key to this game yes always the, this uh, is, a Kirby is a possession team. uh uga is 24 of 34 on touchdowns since the vanderbilt game and over 97 percent red zone scoring is AM and the best red zone scoring team we have faced yes that mm-hmm. i actually is it that was true oh offense yeah yeah they're very good they're very good at finishing drives. The very last thing he says is, if you two came down with a rare strain of an incurable disease and had to be quarantined for the safety of humanity, would it justify the hashtag, hashtag CDCCBC? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. uh, that's good. All right. So let's, uh, before we wrap the show up, we'll go to our, our last segment of the show. It is the Dr. James Bearfield Troll Corner. It's presented by Cheerwine. It's the wine that gives you diabetes. TMTMTM. TM, TM.
1: mm-hmm. TM, 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 very TM,
0: first TM, question TM. out the gate I don't want to do it because I'm tired, to be honest. It's oh, No, I'm tired of the election,
1: and it's 2019. And yes, I know a lot about it, and yes, I know apathy is a killer, and yes, I'm donating to campaigns, and I bet you could guess which one with like two tries, but I just don't <laughs> fucking want to talk about it. If you want to get owned by me on politics,
0: just ask me a better question. Is Kellan on the next Johnny Football? I mean, no. He's not that good. No. He's also, I don't think he's as much of a, a doucher. Uh, yeah, that's true. He's like a nice guy. Yeah. Are they the ones with the cowbells, or that? is that Mississippi State? That's Mississippi State. I know you know yeah, that. these are the ones with the whoop. I know you know that now. Whoop. Rank these from best to worst. HBTFD, HYLT, BMA, FTMF. Uh, it is, it is, I'm sorry to say this,
1: but how about them fucking dogs is the last? It's, it's, how'd you like my, how do you like to bite my ass? Fuck the motherfuckers. And then how about them fucking dogs? Because how'd, how'd you like to bite my ass is like an 80 year is like not 80, but it's like a 20 year old thing. It's been around for quite some time.
0: Yeah. Uh, then he says, my wife would like to know what Giggum actually fucking means is what he says. Uh-huh. So this is funny. <laughs> you do you have an answer for this? Because I don't. I do. Yes. So I I went deep into Aggies. Uh, they all they, So on their website, they have like terminology and they have all the sayings that they say, uh, the phrases and, and whatnot. And so what Giggum means is it comes from a game back in 1920 when uh somebody it was a member of the texas a&m board of regents class of 1906 his name was pl pinky downs when downs asked the crowd to yell practice which uh we didn't really get into yellers but you'll see you might see some texas a&m yellers but it's a small squad of uh five people who uh instead of like cheerleaders for instance they have five people who do these yells these a&m yells and they essentially direct the crowd in like very uh choreographed chants and whatnot but Downs asked the crowd at a yell practice before the 1930 TCU football game, who, if you may remember, are the Horned Frogs. What are we going to do to those Horned Frogs? And improvising, he borrowed the name of a sharp-pronged frog hunting tool called a gig and answered his own question by saying, Gig'em Aggies. So for emphasis, Downs made a fist with his thumb and extended straight up. And uh, if you're playing along with me at home, that is just a thumbs up. So if you see a bunch of Texas A and M fans making thumbs up, it's apparently their, uh, you know, their super unifying symbol that is universal and shows that you are a Texas A and M uh, Aggie for life. Oh, if man. you give them the thumbs talk up, like about like, talk that about is... like the long term grift of just like
1: co opting something. I respect the shit yep. out of
0: that. So gig 'em Aggies, if they're giving you a thumbs up, you'll if you go oh, to their website, you great. will see like on the front page so many people like cadets students wearing their signature maroon just giving a thumbs up and it just looks like people like approving but it is giga maggies and that's our show that's our show we did it that's a long one i feel
1: so if you like what you heard here today you can do three things for us first you can spread more love in the world because there's not enough of it second you can no, four things i guess second you can leave us a rating or review especially on apple uh, podcast that's just the way the game is played that's where a lot of our downloads come from Third, uh-huh. you can hit us up on Patreon if you really want to support us directly, and you can be a part of this beautiful, beautiful uh Discord that we're currently recording on. And finally, if you want to rep our merch, we have a "How about them f and dogs" thing. Um, yes. So, uh, how about them f and dogs T-shirt? So we just came out today. They're selling like hotcakes, but it's print on demand, so we're not going to run out. So just go order one. Uh, that I'm a yeah. bad sales. We also have
0: cold weather clothes too. Yeah, we have cold, cold, cold weather, weather clothes. We have a hat.
1: We have some hoodies we have everything you need to put on your body except for pants and do you need pants really no you don't it's fine but if you do we could get them too yeah we will catch you this (laughs) weekend in the classic city where we will do our best to not get gigged as that is not a thing i think you can do 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 to a dog effectively but i hope we don't get gigged i hope so too until then go Go dogs. dogs